This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Paul and Ando get up for you every Saturday morning. <sighs> Only on Joy Weekend Breakfast. We've got a guest in the studio this morning. Um, very happy to have them back. Uh, a very good morning and joy welcome to Tobias Madden. Good morning. How are you doing? Very good, Tobias. And, and welcome back to Joy. Thank you so much. It's so nice to be here and in, and in the studio this time as well, which is super fun. It is. And uh, it's it's nice to, to go back and, and, and have a follow-up show. So Tobias is a... Uh, a writer. Um, in fact, you've got a you've got a wonderful past, Tobias. You <laughs> a musical theatre star, dancer. Um, you know that you've got a lot of uh, a lot of strings to your bows. But you you last time you spoke to us here at Joy, you were talking about um, the first book that you'd written, mm. um, which was anything but fine. Um, How has it gone? Um, great. I mean, yeah, I've been really lucky. Um, the book has found yeah a whole bunch of people. Um, and so many people in different parts of parts of the world and young people and old people, not old people, older people, I should say. Um, but yeah, it's been really fantastic to see, you know, where the story has ended up and who it has reached and how it's affected people. Um, it's kind of, you know, as that was my debut novel. So that kind of book, you don't know if anyone is ever going to read it. You know, mm. when you sit down to write it and you spend that 12 months or whatever writing it and then another 12 months editing it and working on it with a publisher you just don't actually know if anyone's going to read it and so then to know that it's kind of yeah found its way into people's lives and and affected people in some way is is really really cool um you know obviously it's written for young adults for teens so there's a huge teen audience which is always really special and you get lots of messages about you know these kids sort of being able to see themselves on the page and to feel safe, you know, reading the book. And, you know, it brings in that sense of comfort, which is so, so beautiful as an author, knowing that, you know, that's who you wrote the book for and, and it's affecting them that way. Mm. Um, but it's really interesting as well. Like I did a um, book launch last night in Ballarat for my second book. Um, and there were a few people there, kind of friends of my mum's. So these men in their kind of late 60s, early 70s, um, who read my book, obviously, just because of mum and just because they know me. Um, But then, you know, saying that it really made them reflect on their own teen years and the attitudes towards queer people, you know, in their lives throughout their whole lives. um, And kind of- Tobias, sorry to cut you off, Ballarat, it's significant (laughs) for you, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I grew up there, so I lived there until I was 18. and my mum still lives there and I have some other family there. Um, so I visit as frequently as I can. Um, but, wow. you know, it's not the easiest place to grow up in the late no. 90s, early 2000s as a very, very closeted gay um, teen. Um, so, yeah, going back and hearing that there's, you know, these people from the generation, you know, one or two above me even that are reflecting on attitudes towards queer people because of something I wrote was something really unexpected and really special. So fast forward to book number two. Mm. Um, and I think you, we're going to have to try and, and unpack your background a little bit just to, to yeah. give people a little bit of context. But take about Noah Mitchell, launched about a week ago or so. Yeah. Um, your background is in musical theatre. 
Um, just give us a brief synopsis, Tobias, <laughs> of the actual story, because, um, and I'll, I'll give you my personal experience on this, but yeah, I think yeah. this, is a, this is a great piece of chronology in terms of your life story. Um, so, my life story, not, or the story of the book? The story of the book, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, the story of the book, um, it's about this 17-year-old gamer, Noah, um, who decides to go undercover in a local production of Chicago, the musical, where his mother is playing the lead role, Velma Kelly, <laughs> um, in order for him to meet his secret online crush in real life. I think it's great. And I have the reason for that I was saying, so my personal story is when I was 16, I was in a musical theatre production and my mum was also <laughs> no. in the production as well. Stop. I was, <laughs> I was in The Sound of Music playing... Um, a tree. Uh, <laughs> no, not a nun. I was in The Sound... My mum was playing a nun. I was in The Sound of Music um, playing... Oh, I've forgotten the name of the character. It's Liesl and... Oh, the little- Ralph. Ralph. Ralph, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Going on 16, going on 17. Oh, and my mum was there as well, but for the opposite reason, to find out who I was talking to, yeah. not to hide the fact I was talking to someone yeah. in secret. Um, so I understand exactly that scenario. Did that yeah. actually happen to you? Is, is that based on reality? No, it's not. I mean, I hmm. I did do a production of Chicago in Ballarat when I was, I think, 16. Um, so, and I did a lot of amateur musicals. So that part is very sort of true to my life. Um, but I definitely wasn't, um, you know, plotting and scheming to meet, you know, the love of my life in a musical. Um, and I never did a show with my mum either. Oh. Um, I think much to... I wouldn't, much I wouldn't recommend it. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, drawing on all of that kind of theatre community from Ballarat um, was really fun. But yeah, no, I was not sneaking around trying to meet online crushes, unfortunately. I mean, at that time I was trying to flirt with girls on MSN Messenger and all of that sort of stuff <laughs> that we all did back in the day, which makes me cringe wholeheartedly. And why gaming? Why was it gaming was the, the hook that got you in as opposed to football or some other thing? Yeah, I mean, I guess gaming was kind of the other biggest part of my teenage experience. Um, you know, back then we barely even had the internet, so it wasn't quite the sort of online gaming that it is now. But, um, you know, I used to play those kind of fantasy role-playing games on the computer with my brother for like six hours a day, basically. Like we spent our whole lives on the computer when I wasn't at dancing and, and all of that sort of stuff as well. So my, it's yeah, very much reflective of my teen experience. And I genuinely thought I was the only person in the world who liked those two things. Um, but it turns out um, now that a few people have read the book that I'm definitely not alone in my passion for both of those communities. Um, we had, if you know, we've got a show on Joy called Checkpoint, which goes out at two o'clock every Saturday afternoon, dedicated to queer gamers. Oh, no way. So I spoke to uh, I spoke to a couple of the presenters uh, yesterday and uh, I'm going to give the book to them oh, to see, because I asked them, you know, I know you, you've got a lot of gaming going on. How many of your uh, gamers do you think are into musical theatre? And he was on the phone and he Stop for a second he goes so many oh really <laughs> so, oh wow so i'm gonna give this to the crew this afternoon so oh, they can brilliant. pass on but i i went through the book i I've, I've read quite a bit of it um you pull out so many sensitive topics to bias um body mm, issues mm. family issues um love unrequited love bullying i mean it really is a, a coming of age story that i think will pick up on so many topics um again how did you dig deep and find uh, the strength in these stories um, I mean, I guess, you know, after spending kind of most of my teen and adult life as an actor, like I I think, you know, 
opening up and being vulnerable is something I'm very used to. Like, you know, thinking back to my time at university where I studied music theatre, we were kind of forced on a daily basis to kind of, you know, bear our deepest wounds like in front of our class, like as an acting exercise. So I think that kind of thing um, comes quite naturally to me. But it is different, you know, when you reflect on, yeah, those teen years and and the things that affected you because body image was a huge thing for me as a teenager, you know, as this incredibly skinny kind of nerdy, awkward boy, um, you know, and I know it's it's even more prevalent, I think, in the gay community because there's this kind of one body archetype that we all kind mm. of strive towards. Um, and, yeah, I just I think it's so important that we talk about that for boys as well. Cause I think a lot of the discussions around body image revolve around girls. Mm. Um, and so, you know, knowing how much it affected me as a teenager, I just wanted to, yeah, put that on the page and, and make sure that kids know that, you know, they're worthy of, of love and romance and happiness and all of that, regardless of, you know, what they look like, um, particularly queer kids. Um, Cause it can be pretty crippling. There was one great, uh, point in the book as well where Noah's at the side of the stage changing costumes he takes his t-shirt off and he was like you know he was saying I don't want to show my body because I'm so skinny it's like I had that same issue mm. I was you know I was late developing uh, you know I was quite a skinny guy it's like you're right you know a lot of the guys around me were growing up and growing muscles and you know I was this little waif and I just read that paragraph thinking oh my god that that's me yeah. do you know what blows my mind you too I was the opposite I was the chubby kid that never swam or never took his shirt off so I was looking at you going, you lucky turds, and you were thinking, I can't take it. So we're all having the same thought, but actually for different reasons about our body. Yeah, 100%. And even I think the people that we would have looked at and been like, God, I wish I had their body, they don't see themselves that way no. either. Like, And they're striving for more and more and more and to be bigger and musclier and all of that. So yeah. it's just, it's just, yeah, such it a big stops. thing and it, it kind of never leaves us. The other narrative in there, which, which I thought was, was really poignant, was bullying. I mean, mm. as you know, as a lot of queer kids, we all grew up with that fear that we're going to get picked on. And again, I think you, you dealt with that in a very, a very sensitive way, but also in some parts quite brutal. I mean, I think, you know, that there's a couple of characters in there that really are quite nasty. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think that sort of narrative in the book is quite dramatised and stylized. Um, but it, yeah, it just shows how tough it can be, I think, to speak up for yourself because Noah's in this position where he feels like he he can't sort of, you know, go to the teachers and tell them that these are the kids that are making his life hell for fear of whatever consequences that will bring, um, which, you know, is a really big part of that. You do feel like you are quite... Um, yeah, silenced, I guess, as a teenager experiencing those things because you just don't want to make things worse for yourself. So it can be really, yeah, really tough to to speak up for yourself. And I think that's kind of one of Noah's journeys in the book is kind of, I guess, finding that strength in himself to be like, no, let's stop this now. You and know? The, there was a really fun point. I mean, the other bit, just to give it some some light as well as the the, the shade there was um, musical theatre, you know, really is the saviour of all things because there's one point where um, Eli is a bit withdrawn and Noah says at the end of Razzle Dazzle, he was all smiles and cheeky glances. <laughs> so, you know, Aww. any any old musical number with a bit of like Fixes jazz world, hands right? yeah. and a bit of dance yeah. sorts the world out. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, a jazz hand will fix anything. And it's funny. I mean, like we're talking about all these serious things, but the book really is (laughs) like a rom-com basically. (laughs) Um, And it's quite light and, and bright. And I think, you know, especially writing for teens, I really like to sort of insert those kind of deeper issues in a in a very fun and light narrative because I feel like it often makes it easier to digest them rather than it feeling like this big kind of traumatic confronting thing that you have to read. It's kind of like, yeah, slipping them in kind of subliminally um, in the background can be quite useful, I think, yeah. I think it's an amazing read. Um, Take a Bow, Noah Mitchell, um, available in all good bookshops. In fact, bookshops in regional Victoria Ando. Oh, I've got this story. Tobias, yesterday we're walking down the main drag where the parade for Broken Hill in Broken Hill will be today. And as I said before, the the off-air, the kind of... A lot of the cis-straight folk of Broken Hill have, have camped, you know, it's their once-a-year <laughs> camp-up. And in the window of this bookstore, they were confused. So they've gone and got every book about royals and they've put <laughs> them in one little corner and then they've put everything camp-related <laughs> On, on a stand in the window, and there's your book. Oh, amazing. Right, right next to Nick Brack's Under, under Dax or Under Brax. Oh, that's where it should be. That's perfect. You get two <laughs> two un, two pairs of undies and a book for 48 bucks or something, and yours is actually a higher and in a better position on the shelf, and so I did take a snap to send you. Wow, that. that's amazing. Thank you for that story. So head in, the, head in the bookshelves in Broken Hill at the best possible time of year. <laughs> um, before we let you go, we, we can't have you in the studio and not ask about your wedding. So uh, I'm sorry to bring this up because no, I know it's a it's a great story um but yeah something happened at your wedding that's pretty damn big yeah and i mean like so my husband and i daniel we got married in 2019 so this is all from quite a while ago now which is weird that it's popped up again three years later um but we obviously were both professional dancers and so we knew everyone would be expecting us to dance at our wedding um but we wanted our first dance like the official first dance to be really just nice and sentimental and just you know us just swaying on the spot just loving each other basically Mm. um so we decided for our entrance um into the reception to do just a, a little dance that we choreographed in the kitchen um i think like a couple of days before the wedding um and then you know that went down a treat we did this little kind of partner dance to let's get loud by j-lo um a little partner dance (laughs) yeah little partner dance um very camp very silly um and everyone at the wedding loved it but then this year um, my husband uh joined the world of tiktok um and was just looking for stuff to post and you know went into the vault of videos to see if there was anything fun he was like oh i might just post our wedding dance. I was like, oh, yeah, cute. He posted that one night. We woke up the next morning and it already had over a million views. Oh, um, stop. Which was baffling. And then I think 24 hours later, it had 4 million views. Um, and then I woke up the next morning to all these messages from people being like, oh, my God, JLo, JLo. And I was like, what's going on? And then I went to JLo's Instagram and there's our video of us dancing to her song on her personal Instagram. I've just got goosebumps. It was, no way, yeah, really? Yeah, and with a little message that, that said, J-Lo. like, congrats to the happy couple or something. Obviously not knowing that it was from three years ago. And so I died. I literally almost fainted. And then from there, it spiraled out of control and, like, all these other kind of news outlets like Pedestrian TV and um, Queerty and People Magazine started sort of posting it. Um, and then I think the video is now up to about 12 million views on TikTok. Which is <laughs> wow, that's phenomenal. <laughs> Stop it. Which that's is wild. So cool. Yeah. And the coolest thing is like all the comments and stuff have just been these really lovely messages from people being like, this looks like the best wedding ever. I wish I was, you know, friends with you and was invited to this. And, you know, this brought me joy for, you know, 15 seconds or whatever it is, which is really, really cute. 
beautiful it's fantastic tobias congratulations on that i mean not everyone gets their uh <laughs> wedding congratulations from blooming j-lo from j-lo honestly oh. and she probably like leaned over in bed and showed it to ben affleck and it's just like oh my god oh, now, now, so now you're gonna get Ando all excited it's, it's got very hot in here tobias um tobias thank you for joining us this morning tobias madden um the book take a book take a bow noah mitchell out now i'm um, going grab it it's a fantastic read thanks for joining us here on joy thank you so much thanks Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.